Welcome back to another edition of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket. I'm your host, Peter Delapena, and on this episode, I welcome Anika Kalan, member of the USA Women's Senior Team and the USA Women's Under-19 Team. She'll be taking part in the five-match T20 series that USA Women's Under-19 side will be hosting in Florida beginning on August 8th against the West Indies Women's Under-19 side as the USA gets their preparations into high gear for their inaugural appearance in the first ever ICC Women's Under-19 World Cup, which is going to be happening in January in South Africa. And Anika Kalan has already demonstrated that she is going to be a force to be reckoned with going forward, not just for the Under-19 side, based on her performances in Trinidad, when the USA Under-19 Women's side went undefeated in the Cricket West Indies Future Stars Women's Under-19 Championship recently in Trinidad, but she's already had some solid performances for the women's team after making her debut in Mexico last year when the USA won the ICC Americas Women's T20 Championship that clinched a spot for them in the T20 World Cup qualifier on the women's side. That's going to be in the UAE in September. So there's a lot of activity going to happen in the next few months for USA women's cricket, both senior and under 19. And Anika is going to be a prominent figure in all of that. Just 15 years of age, she's going to be turning 16 later in August but she plays well beyond her years if you've gotten a chance to see her in action. So she'll give us some insight into her journey into cricket, growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area. But before we get to the interview with Anika Kalan, I want to take a moment to thank all of the Patreon supporters who help keep the podcast going on an episode-by-episode basis, including the newest Patreon supporter, Philip Hicks, a captain of the podcast now. Thank you, Philip, for your support. Philip is an Aussie who is now living in Edmonton, Alberta. So I thank you for your support, Philip, coming from north of the border. And I also want to take this moment to thank the other key supporters of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast, headlined by Dream Cricket. Dream Cricket Store can help you fill up all of your cricket kit requirements, anything you need. Bats, helmets, gloves, pads, jerseys. Go to dreamcricketstore.com and get 15% off your first order. Dream Cricket Store also offers free shipping on all orders over $200. Again, go to www.dreamcricketstore.com and take advantage of that great offer today. Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast is also sponsored by Moose Cricket Stadium, the first turf wicket facility in the state of Texas. For more information, go to www.moosestadium.com. That's M-O-O-S-A stadium.com. And also, Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast is sponsored by Crickbuster. Crickbuster is an ICC-designated official travel agent for the 2022 Men's T20 World Cup in Australia starting this October. If you're a cricket fan living in the USA and you need match tickets, flights, hotels, stadium tours, or want to organize other sightseeing activities down under, Crickbuster is a one-stop shop for all of your touring plans. So visit www.crickbuster.com to begin planning your trip today. And now, here's the interview with Anika Kolan. Today's edition of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket. I'm joined by the USA Under-19 Women's Vice Captain and USA Women's Senior National Team Wikikeeper, batter, wears many different hats, but she's a star <laughs> in the making. Anika Kalan. Anika, thank you for coming on the thank podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, it's a pleasure. So most recently, you were in Trinidad where yeah. you, you not just won, you dominated. Yeah. The entire team, and, and you in particular as the vice captain, you finished off the event with the tournament-winning innings against Trinidad and Tobago, the hosts. Take us through that whole tournament 
from your perspective? So it's been a while since a bunch of the girls got together, but we've played with each other, played against each other. So I knew like there'd be great team chemistry and like the way our team just clicked, it was so good. Um, we, there was like really good communication and we always had like pep talks to like each and every one of us before the games and like, it was just great. And from there, like we just dominated each team. We just, instead of looking at the long run, um, which is eventually the World Cup, we looked at like game by game. So we didn't rush anything. And I think that was a really good strategy that we had. What was it like for you being able to play in some of these venues, especially Brian Lara Academy? Brian Lara was really, really nice to play in. Um, we had a couple of morning games. So um, we had to like understand how the pitch was working and like keeping a bit was tough at first but then eventually got used to it same thing for batting but um I think what's great about our team is that we didn't let like any other environmental factors affect our play so I think that was really nice and against Trinidad and Tobago there was a crowd there and they were like chanting blowing whistles like all the drums everything so it was nice because I experienced that for the first time in Zimbabwe against Zimbabwe so home home country but yeah, having that again in Trinidad, and it was it was really nice to see and playing and then also winning. So yeah. The US under 19 women went to St. Vincent yes. in January of this year. You were not a part of that tour because you had already exhausted quite a lot of time missing school for yeah. commitments in Mexico and, and also Zimbabwe. But the women who were there did very very well on that tour and that kind of gave a little bit of insight into the competitiveness of USA compared to some of the other teams they would come up against including the Windward Islands but there's a lot of unknown about these standards because this is kind of a, a first of its kind opportunity for USA women in particular compared to the men's under 19 side which has competed in the West Indies regional under 19 competition on a number of occasions over the years or if not under the USA banner as part of a combined ICC America's team. And in those events, the boys, the men's teams that have gone down there have always struggled. So what were your expectations going into this event in the context of knowing how well the USA under 19 women's team that went there in January to play the Windwards, how they performed? So um, most of the girls, um, they definitely had a lot of experience um, since they went to St. Vincent. And since we like since they won that tour it was really good confidence and they went in headstrong and it, it was really just good team energy and I think that like pumped us up like we knew what level we would be facing and we knew how to prepare ourselves for it and then like I said earlier we just took one game at a time so that helped us like eventually have a clean sweep in Trinidad. Did you feel you were favorites going into this tournament or did you even surpass some of your own expectations both personally and as a team? No, I, 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 we played all, all the girls played together and we all know each other's potential. So there weren't any negative thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, take us to now. A lot of people are curious about Shidran Chandapal as coach. He's been kind of floating around the U S for a number of years now doing various things at a local level in Florida and other parts of the country. But this is the first time he was in a much more prominent role in charge of a, a U.S. side of any kind. And I think a lot of people were curious about his appointment because he's not somebody who I think would be immediately associated with women's cricket in particular in, in a lot of people's eyes. He's done some coaching work with 
the West Indies under 19 men's side, but I don't think a lot of people are too familiar with any work he's done in terms of coaching women's cricket. And it, it it's nuanced to a degree that you can't approach coaching men's and women's teams in the same way. There's the, the games themselves. I, I personally treat them as standalone games, just the stylistically and, and how the strategy of the game is between men's and women's cricket is very, very different from your perspective. What was it like being around him and were you able to see him as coach first or, or did you have to kind of struggle to conceptualize, say, this is a West Indies batting legend and I've got to put that aside to kind of listen to what he's saying as a uh, coaching and strategic approach? So I think his experience being like a West Indies legend, it helped our team a lot, especially like knowing those grounds and just sharing the experience with us of like how to approach each game. He's definitely played a lot of cricket in his life. and. Um, it's safe to say that the girls, like, we all love him, and he's, we think he's going to do really great stuff for USA Cricket. But, yeah, like, about the legend thing, like, we kind of have to put that aside, but then we all just bonded over it, and, like, at the end, like, it was great. What's the number one thing that you learned from him, whether about your own game or collectively as a team, that kind of changed the way you think about how to approach cricket that you didn't experience in the past? So, as a team... The way we started our day, like, like, let it be like just eating breakfast, as to, like all together as a team in the warmups, um, he told us that like he, he presented the energy as if like we were supposed to be a unit and that really helped us because with warmups being strong and us feeling confident in warmup itself, then the game becomes so much easier. So advice he told me and all the girls is basically like, don't overthink it. Um, and just play it as it comes, just like how I said before already, play game by game. Like, don't look in the long run and pressure yourself too much. Just, like, take steps, and it'll lead you to victory at the end. Now, you say you got to experience a unique crowd environment in Trinidad, and you got a a little bit of a a slice of that in Zimbabwe playing Zimbabwe. But for this crowd environment in particular, not only people are coming out to watch and, and support cricket, but Specifically, they're coming out to support Trinidad. They don't want you winning the game. And so you're, you're spoiling the party, Anika. What was that like? <laughs> Just in, in that environment where, where you're, there's a lot of people, but at times they were kind of stunned into silence. And that sends a different message in terms yeah. of how you're performing. Um, no, personally, I love playing in front of a crowd. I love like hearing whatever music, whatever chants they make. And like another thing that coach told us is we're not playing for the crowd. And that helped us a lot because at the beginning, I felt pressured. Like, I felt like when I was batting, I felt like my legs were going to fall off at one point. Like, I was pretty nervous. But I just, like, hearing the, like, the mood fluctuate of the crowd, like, whenever, like, USA is on top even more, like, we hit back-to-back boundaries or something, like, it kind of, like, goes down. And I, like, it's kind of like you're beating them back. And I just really like that feeling. But, yeah. What else was enjoyable about the tour experience, whether on or off the field? Whatever we did as a team, like whatever we did, let it be rest days, the team was always together. Like there weren't many like separate groups. We were all like combined. And I know that some other teams don't do that. And I think that's why our team is really special because everything we do, we do together. And then our team energy is really well. And that goes onto the field. So my favorite part of the tour basically is just being included, being a unit both on and off the field. How much of a factor do you think the fact that you had played with six or seven of these girls at senior level and you had gotten the exposure in Mexico and in Zimbabwe in terms of knowing what the expectations are for international cricket, 
at a senior women's international level. How much do you think that helped your ability to adjust and perform in Trinidad at the under-19 tournament? It was really beneficial. All the girls already played together, let it be in any type of selections, but playing with like five or six of the girls in the international experience, it helped us like um, how to confront the pressure that we were about to face in Trinidad. And we knew each other's body language. We just we just made it work in the end. I think it's because like we all know each other so well that we always like we can always lean on another. Did you have a favorite match from the tour? Favorite match. I think it would probably be against Trinidad, just like being from the home team. And there were so many jitters in the locker room. But like I said, like we were a unit, we all stayed together. I think it was like everyone's countless effort. And um, that just led us to victory. And having the team like run onto the field, like that, that was really nice. But yeah. Uh, I know you talked about not wanting to think too far ahead and just taking it game by game. Everybody hears those kind of things in a sports team and from players and one game at a time and all that kind of stuff. But at what point did it start to enter in your mind, whether from the first game or third game or at any stage that you thought, hey, we're not just good. We've got a chance to actually win this thing. Yeah, the confidence just went up more and more after playing the first games, like seeing how well we did. I think we all just realized like how much potential this group has and we didn't go into this tour with negative thoughts but we also didn't go in overconfident but one thing we gained back from this tour was confidence and just seeing how well we did together and how well we played the teams and like you said it wasn't close or anything so we know that we have a lot of strength in our team and I think it, it could really take us far especially with this world cup coming up. What was it like for you to be, to be named vice captain? It was a really, really good experience. Me and Geets, we would always um, like meet with coach before every single game, have a talk about all like the positions and everything. So it was never really too stressful for I think either of us because we were always communicating with each other. We always knew what was going on. Um, if there was ever a chance that one of us had to step off the field, we could always like come back from that because we're always really prepared. But no, I really, really love being vice captain. It's really an honor and I'm just like, I'm really glad I could do it. When did um, you find out? Yeah. I found out, I think you were the first one who told me. Because I think I just woke up for a nap or something. And you texted me, you were like, congrats on being named Vice. And then I forwarded it to my family group. So I was like, hey, I'm Vice. <laughs> so I think you're the first one who told me. So I woke you up. I ruined your nap. What you're trying Wait, to say. I don't think you ruined it. I think it was, you. I think I had a good surprise at the end. So it's okay. <laughs> For people who don't know, you're born and raised in Northern California, born in Tracy, which is in the East Bay. It's quite a ways out east of Oakland and Santa Clara and San Jose and all that. And you've lived your whole life out there. My understanding is you played some other sports. Cricket is obviously your, your passion right now. But at what point did you get introduced to cricket, whether it was from watching on TV or playing wise? What was your earliest memory of cricket? So I actually started playing cricket because of my brother and my dad. After moving out of Tracy, we moved to Dublin, and that's just, like, where cricket started to grow. And um, Ramesh Amadi, he was also, like, one of the first people, like, with my dad. And, like, there were, like, a batch of, like, uncles who all, like, like set it up. But I started playing cricket because my dad was dropping my brother off at cricket practice. And my mom was home, and we were doing math homework together. And I just wanted to get out of it. So I was like, you know what, dad, like, I'll come, like, I'll, like, I'll drop, like, my brother at practice with you just to get out of math homework. 
Um, and then I saw like him practicing and then there was also like a nearby game going on. Like there was like a small section and then there was a game going on. I think one of my first questions, I was like looking at the game. I was like, what is that guy doing? And I think I was talking about wicket keeping to my dad. So that's, that's kind of nice. But um, no, I started playing cricket. My brother, my, my family is a really big asset. My, like my mom, dad, and my brother. I started playing, my dad set up nets in my garage first. And then he bought this tiny bowling machine, like the circle one, and he just like feed it in. Uh, we started playing with like tennis balls and baseballs and everything. Um, and then my brother and my dad set up like actual like net like nets, like a cage in my backyard. And that's where I spent like most of my time. So how old were you when this began? I think I'm, I was nine at the time. You're 15 now. So yeah. just six years or, or five years, if you go back to last summer, really, which is when you made your debut for the women, just five years, that's all it took to get into the women's scene. It's a pretty remarkable journey. Before you got introduced to cricket, what else were you involved with to get to the point where you can make such a quick transition? Because I think people would have a hard time believing that you you didn't have any athletic skills before that. And you just walked straight into cricket and boom, 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 <laughs> boom, boom, boom. You're, you're already this good. So what other things were you doing in youth sports and in and around the, the East Bay to develop a passion for sports in general before you started to kind of have your attention drawn into cricket? Everything my brother did, basically, I did. So I, I think I did tennis at one point. I did swimming. I did basketball. I went to a basketball camp and I didn't shoot a single hoop the whole entire time. I was so bad at it. And then for a while after that, I was a goalie in soccer. And then from there, I transitioned to cricket. And I did all these sports because I was just following my brother's paths. So. And your brother's name is Anish? Yeah. How much is he a factor in, in your current level of training? I know he's at college. He's at Arizona State. But how much of an influence is he in, in your modern activities to be on the scene? No, um, a lot of what I am now, it's definitely because my brother was a huge part of my cricket life. Even like he's here for summer now. But even before I went over to Trinidad, like he was dropping me at practices. He was giving me his own throwdowns. Um, he hasn't played cricket in a while, but he started bowling just so I could face more bowlers. But um, a lot of my cricket is definitely because of him. And I wouldn't be here without my brother. What is the climate like in terms of when you were first getting involved for women's cricket and girls junior cricket? I know now it's thriving in the Bay Area. Yeah. But six, seven years ago, whether in the Bay Area or anywhere else in the country, there was not an awful lot of women's cricket and especially junior girls cricket. And your story is similar to quite a number of stories I've heard from other girls and other players where they had an older brother or some other sibling or family member. Some of them might have been their dad, but in some cases, it's an older brother. Isani Bagel is an example that her brother Batsa was playing for the under-19 USA men's team. And so they had some sort of role model or influence just within their own family, but there were not really broad scale junior opportunities for women or opportunities for girls, females, period. So when you first started, did you get people kind of looking at you like, who is this girl? Why is she playing? Yeah. I mean, were you basically, you know, one of a handful or, or the only one? Or, or, you know, again, kind of set the scene. What was the atmosphere like when you were first trying to, to get involved as a girl playing locally there compared to other sports where, yeah, there's thriving girls soccer, thriving girls yeah. basketball. You're playing in a, a team full of girls, whereas cricket, I'd imagine that's not necessarily the case. I was actually, um, I think, the first girl um, to play cricket in like the Tri-Valley in the Bay Area. 
but no I definitely didn't have a lot of friends back then a lot of the guys um hated me and a lot like parents and like like all the uncles and um all the guys are like why is she keeping and they always want to like push me down a bit but I also wouldn't be here without them because I kind of like that kind of like fired me up <laughs> if you want to say that but there weren't a lot of girls so whatever opportunity for women's cricket that was there or girls cricket it was a really big thing back then and since she lives pretty nearby and I met her when I was nine actually and I started doing keeping with her and knowing her and then um, going to other like tournaments like GCL with Nadia like in Joan and Joy that really showed us like there is a future for cricket and just to keep pushing because at the time there wasn't much. Yeah. So Sindhu, Sindhu Sriharsha, you've known her since you were nine. Yeah, I started training with her like since I was nine. She used to give me like um throwdowns um in my in in my house. Um like she used to coach me because she's obviously a keeper and she and my dad like helped turn me into a keeper. So a lot of like my keeping all like goes to her. But there were times in like the winter where it would be so cold and we would be shivering wearing like two layers of jackets um wearing a beanie but she would still like persist and like teach me my basics and my cricket was shaped because of that i want to talk more about sindhu in a little bit but first i want to go back to kind of the obstacles to playing cricket as a girl I've observed this on the East Coast going back 10, 12 years when I used to do some uh, academy coaching work in New Jersey. One of the things I would observe was the cultural dynamic in the South Asian community. And you'd have boys brought in to train at some academies and the sisters would come and they would sit on the sidelines in a bench just watching. And it was almost as if they were not just you talked about like oh i wanted to come to get out of math homework and you got you got the chance to play and to some extent there was may have been some opposition but you were able to get opportunities i always got the impression at the start it's not like this anymore but it was as if some families the attitude and and other people in the community was no the boys play cricket and the girls can watch, yeah. but the girls should not yeah. be in the net playing with the boys at the same time or at all. Yeah. And so, and you kind of hinted at that. What do you feel was the most important factor in helping to change the mindsets of certain people in the community to get it to the stage where instead of, like you say, people you thought were hating you or were not supportive to the point where now you feel that they have become very supportive and are behind you, whether that's at a local level before you represented USA or now since you're representing USA. Oh, we got a USA national team player. Of course we wanted to play. <laughs> yeah. So I think the only way to like allow more cricket to grow is just by like basically doing it. It wasn't that supported, just like a few uncles, um, but definitely my family, they supported me. But a lot of people were like, they were like questioning why I was doing it. And they're like, it's not going to take you that far. But the only way to prove them wrong is by doing it and to keep excelling and keep on putting in the work. And that's just what like a lot of girls in the area did, including me. How much of a factor was the fact that when you're starting and at that point in time, again, as a nine-year-old, 10-year-old, the concept of having USA national team players in the area who you could look to as role models was basically non-existent. I mean, going back a couple of years ago, talking to your dad, 
talking about the experience at the girls cricket league when you would have been, I think 12 or 13 years old at the time in Florida. And then when you were in Florida for the nationals last year, one of the things that stood out to me was your dad, Suresh, telling me that one of the biggest factors in you envisioning a future with the USA national team or envisioning a career in cricket was the fact that seeing Lisa Ramja and Geetika Kadali, but in particular Geetika, because she's from the Bay Area, she's from your neck of the woods. And so it's one thing to kind of hear about and see somebody like Sindhu Sriharsha, who played for NDA and had an, an elite career overseas prior to coming to the Bay Area and, and being able to train with her, but being able to see somebody who's more or less in your peer group, Geetika is a few years older, but generally speaking, she's gone through the same life experiences that you have growing up in the Bay Area. And to see her get picked for USA in 2019, talking to your dad, it was like a light bulb went off, like with yeah. you and with the family in general, that, hey, if Geetika can do it, as somebody who learned all of her cricket here, like Anika can do it, <laughs> and Suhani Tadani can do it, and Lassie can do it, and some of these other girls can do it. It's like, oh, we've got a role model who's yeah. in the same age group and it's not just this far off thought that only somebody of Sindhu's caliber and Sindhu's training having to go through the whole process that she went through in Karnataka, that's only somebody who can make the national team's weight. Somebody can do it and achieve that same kind of success and achieve that same kind of goal representing the USA national team right here in the Bay Area. What was it like in terms of having opportunities to develop at that point in time, like I said, going back nine, 10 years old, 11 years old, before kind of Geetika was playing for the national team in 2019, when you were still only 12. And those those first three years when you there might not have been exactly role models that are there present in terms of kind of the US cricket scene, or just, again, the lack of fixtures for the US national team in general, where whether it's Sindhu or Geetika or anybody else, there was an awful long time where the USA women were not playing any matches through no fault of their own. So the concept is, oh, I want to play for the USA Women's National Team. Where is the Women's National Team? Does it even exist? Yeah. Um, all these kind of things. How did that factor into your ability to kind of train and, and get opportunities locally, when it, whether it's you or anybody else, is not really seeing examples of US women's cricketers that they can look to as uh, inspiration or role models? Definitely, like Geets and Lisa, them getting into the team, like you said, there was like a spark across a lot of the girls in the country because they're like, like their eyes opened up of their families and them. And they're like, hey, like these girls, like even though they're young, they're they're getting somewhere, they're doing things. And it showed how like, like it can actually get you somewhere. Because a lot when I started, a lot of the uncles thought it was just like a waste of time. But um, both of them getting in, especially being the younger ones to get in, um, definitely like inspired a lot of us to keep on pushing and like trying to reach that goal to represent a national team like they did when did it first come into your head that this wasn't just an activity to do for fun and something you enjoy doing and something you were tagging along with your brother to get out of math homework and it turned into something more beyond that where you thought hey i could actually like you said do what lisa and Geetika are doing yeah no that's basically it like um it showed us that there was somewhere to go and there were like things to achieve and just because you're young and it's a women's team, it doesn't mean that you like you can slack off now and then do it later. Like you can get these achievements done early on in your life and you can set a standard. And them getting in definitely like lit that spark throughout like a lot of the girls in the country. So you would say it was in that spring, summer of 2019 where your own mindset started to change or is it some other point earlier or afterwards? I knew the competition was growing earlier and my dad was always reminding me, it was like, like this girl's joining, this girl's joining. And like, we would always be practicing, but seeing that they like made it 
I think that's basically what happened. Like, that's why that's where the, it like, like something clicked where it was like, I can be like them and like get into the team like them. And it can do something. It can mean a lot. Now, when I had Cindy Sriharsha on the podcast earlier this year, she talked about growing up in Karnataka and on her street, she had an India player on her street growing up who she was able to look to and, and train with. You touched on Sindhu and the fact that she has spent an awful lot of time over the course of your life. I don't, I, I can't even call it your career because it's <laughs> basically your life. Uh, she's been around and been a, a major influence and a positive role model in that regard to helping you train and, and give you firsthand insight, not just the technical skills, but being able to pick her brain and just get a slice of how to approach cricket from a mental standpoint and touring life and all those things. I asked her, did she find it normal or did she kind of take it for granted? That, oh, you know, not everybody's got a, an India women's player growing up on their street that they can just walk down the street and, and train with and play with. Has it clicked for you and registered with you like, oh, not every girl who's growing up in California or anywhere else in the USA for that matter just has a, a USA women's captain or a prominent international player who's just kind of a couple blocks away that they can call on uh, to train with. Yeah, like since having someone who she can look up to on her street, that's basically what it is for me. Like my keeping, especially we used to do both batting and keeping, but she she keeps me on my toes in a good way. Like I keep like I keep annoying her with questions about like what color my clad should be or anything like cricket later or not. But like we keep each other on our toes and I think it's really great to have her. My cricket definitely would not be the same if I didn't have her like showing up to my house and then doing sessions and her like getting my basics corrected um I could be having like a rough patch with my keeping and I would we would just call each other over for sessions and then it would be better by the end of that session or another session now how close is your relationship has has she ever called you in for babysitting help or Suhani or I think any I other find girls myself doing that sometimes um no Leo is so cute um Leo's and son um no we love Leo we love him so much we had um, a dinner at Suhani's house and like the adults were on one side and then the girls were on one side and then Leo was just with us like we were just taking like p- group pictures like it was really cute it was really cute the stars and stripes cricket podcast is presented by dream cricket dream cricket store can help you fill up all of your cricket kit requirements anything you need bats helmets gloves pads jerseys and more go to dreamcricketstore.com now and get 15 percent off your first order Dream Cricket Store also offers free shipping on all orders over $200. Again, go to www.dreamcricketstore.com to take advantage of that great offer today. This episode of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket is also sponsored by Musa Cricket Stadium, the first turf wicket facility in the state of Texas, and now the first ODI accredited venue in the Lone Star State, located at 5515 McKeever Road, County Road 100 in Pearland. Five miles off the Bailey Road exit from State Route 288, a half hour south of downtown Houston, Musa Cricket Stadium includes fully enclosed locker rooms and change rooms, plus shower facilities after a day's play, as well as outdoor nets for all your training needs. Musa also has two nursery grounds on the north side of the stadium boundary available for use. For more information, visit www.musastadium.com. That's M-O-O-S-A stadium.com. Musa Cricket Stadium in Pearland, Texas. The Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast is also sponsored by Crickbuster. Based in Florida, Crickbuster is an ICC-designated official travel agent 
for the 2022 ICC Men's T20 World Cup in Australia. If you're a cricket fan living in the USA and you need match tickets, flights, hotels, stadium tours, or want to organize other sightseeing activities down under this October, Crickbuster is a one-stop shop for all of your touring needs. Visit www.crickbuster.com to begin planning your trip today. And now back to the episode. You just finished your sophomore year in high school. You go to Dublin High School out in the Bay Area. And again, Dublin, this is Dublin, California, not Dublin, Ireland. Ireland. <laughs> you go, but you go through Dublin, California, <laughs> and on the street signs, they've got shamrocks and there's like this Irish theme in the city. Yeah. That yeah. It's yeah. kind of funny. Take us a little bit more into Dublin, aside from like the Irish themed. Uh, signage that you see around the city what is life like in Dublin aside from cricket I think Dublin's a really great community for like encouraging a lot of things so um when I was in Tracy if I was still living in Tracy I honestly don't know if I would be playing cricket right now I think it's because I moved to a new location and when I first moved like everything was still like getting a bit started in Dublin so my elementary school, middle school, and now high school, like they all have like cricket teams in it. When I was in elementary school, like um, cricket like started to get introduced. So we would have some of our coaches like throw some balls around after school and we would start playing cricket. And then um, my brother and dad also worked with um, some of the school boards, but it ended up having like cricket in the PE curriculum. And they're just... I think it's a really great community for they're very giving. So when I said that I had to leave for this amount of time when I was going to Mexico and Zimbabwe, um, they coordinate a lot. And I just hope that continues to happen as more tours come up. This is kind of an unusual, exceptional community in that regard. There's only a handful of places around the country. You've got high school cricket or, or cricket encouraged at school level. New York City's one. Atlanta, they've got a cricket league in Atlanta that started up a couple of years ago. But Northern California and Dublin specifically, there's a perfect storm that's come together, Anika, where all these things are. are you've got a USA Women's National Team captain just down the road. You, you've got a schools program with cricket. Yeah. A lot of other things don't happen like that in other parts of the country. How popular is the schools cricket there? Is it big enough for it? you have women's specific school program or are you playing co-ed? Are, are you a, one of a handful of girls playing amongst a, a boys team at the high school or or what is kind of the exact nature of the state of the program at this point in time? I think after COVID cricket kind of like um, decreased in schools but um, when it was like starting and when it was like starting to thrive um, there was both co-ed and then there was also um, I, I in my middle school there was a team of just girls because there were a lot of girls in um, Fallon Middle School which is my middle school here in Dublin that wanted to try out cricket. So it's it's both co-ed and there were some girls teams. And is there enough competition and interest where it's not just a school team or an inter-school event where you're, you're playing almost an intramural level sport or is there a formalized league where you've got enough interest from other high schools where you're playing against or have the opportunity to play against completely girls cricket teams, whether at middle school level or now at high school level? When I played like before COVID and everything in school, there was like two teams from each school and they would play the other like neighboring high schools or middle schools or like all and elementary schools as well. Um, the girls, I think at the time there was only one girls team. So um, it was a girls team against a guys team, but it's grown a lot from there. And I know a lot of people who 
started cricket, some girls too, um, who started cricket because they heard about it in school and things like that. So that's really nice. Now you mentioned pre-COVID, what's the state of affairs now in, in your part of California in terms of being able to go back to school in person and experience some of these things in person and get back to kind of these opportunities? So my sophomore year, last year, it was in person. Like we still had our masks on and everything, but we we got to go in person. And that was also when the teams got announced for like Mexico and Zimbabwe. So people knew that I played cricket for the national team. And I think a lot of people in my high school started to know about it more because of that. There's already like a lot of people I know in school who play cricket, like Dublin High School has a lot of cricket people. But my like the Dublin High School Instagram, like they posted how I got selected and everything. And then a lot of people just started calling me cricket girl. So um, I mean, it's good because I guess people now know about cricket. But yeah, I just have to be cricket girl. Like that's my name, but it's okay. Have you had to practice your autograph? Are you getting a lot of selfie requests? No, that's all right. <laughs> I'm good. Not there yet. A lot okay. of the uncles just like say that as a joke though, and I just never know what to respond with. Have you signed yearbooks? Is signing yearbooks still a thing? If you're signing a yearbook, do you sign it Cricket Girl? Or do you sign it Anika or what? I would sign it Anika. I don't, I don't think I would name myself Cricket Girl. <laughs> Actually, I don't think I bought a yearbook this year, so I didn't really do the yearbook signing. I did that in like middle school or elementary school, but not in high school. Take us through getting that opportunity to go to Mexico, making your debut. And again, you made your senior team debut before you made your USA under-19 debut, partially as a function of the fact that there wasn't really an under-19 women's yeah. team, where there was a senior team. That under-19 women's team is a very, very new thing, and which also makes the success in Trinidad even more remarkable but just the pathway only been playing for five years essentially you said you started at nine you they were picked to make your debut just after turning 15 you're going to be turning 16 later this summer but playing for five or six years essentially and this extremely rapid development in the last three years in particular where you're getting an opportunity to kind of get more exposure on a, on a wider stage, national stage through the Girls Cricket League event and some other events that are kind of um, run on a semi-national scale around the country. That was down in Florida, the Girls Cricket League event in 2019. But then at a USA cricket level, the formalized structure coming into place last summer with the inter-regionals leading to the regionals and then the national team. Take us through, I guess, last year in particular and how things started to unfold in a relatively short, quick period of time for you to go from the interregional squad, regional, get selected for the national championship, and then you get the call to come play for USA in Mexico. Yeah, so um, after COVID, there was definitely a lot of cricket, like it just like pushed off from the start. And I think with, the, with a lot of cricket that helped um, a lot of the girls, including me, prepare for possible national level teams that we were about to face if we made it and we did but I think because we played so much cricket in the summer it helped us a lot with knowing what higher and higher quality cricket is like and I think it was really great um, the type of environment that we were in, in Mexico mostly like dominating that but also seeing how other countries play cricket it's not just like it's not just us who seem like out of the place or anything like other countries can do it too. So that gave us a lot of exposure to see what could be happening in the future. Cause now, like, if you think about it, I'm, I'll be using the experience that I got from Mexico and Zimbabwe to help in the world cup, because we're starting to understand how other countries 
also play cricket. But just go back to, let's say, June, July in Fremont. Okay, you're, you're playing the interregionals in Fremont. I know you talked about seeing Geetee can at least go back into 2019 and the seed is planted a little bit there where, oh, if they're doing it, I can play for USA too. Yeah. But between 2019 in um, not just the tournament that Lisa and, and Geetee could debuted in Florida, you had the qualifier later in the summer in Scotland in September in 2019. Between then and this past summer, there was no international cricket. So it wasn't like you could see front and center an immediate progression. You had to, it was basically, you waited more or less two plus years to really get an opportunity to gauge where you were at on a personal level compared to other players around the country or, or even locally. Um, the structure didn't really exist. And like I, said, I know there were some other events that were organized, um, NWCL and some other things that girls would fly around the country but they weren't necessarily with the title of, of the USA cricket branding to have the recognition of, okay, this is an event that, you know, selectors and coaches and other evaluators are locked in zoned in to really get a look and see who merits selection. So take me back to Fremont. What do you remember about the initial weekends and, and weeks of the interregionals and how you felt you were progressing at that stage and performing to then set yourself up for the rest of the summer. When selections first started, there was definitely a lot of, a, a lot of nervousness, a lot of buzz in the air, but um, cause it was also my like actual selection process, like first stage and then proving that you're good to get to the next and next, and then go on to you get that to make the actual team. I was definitely nervous cause it was my first time doing anything like that. But I think the selection process really shows like the best of the best. And there's a lot of competition even this year. I know there's going to be a lot of competition, but it's just something that you just keep practicing for and you just like um, just have to be mentally and physically strong. And I think it'll, I think it'll be a good year and it'll be fine. From interregionals to then the regionals, and then that was in Texas, and then yeah. getting to go to Florida, both for the under-19 national championship that was played last year and then the women's itself, you were part of both squads. When did it start to click for you in terms of feeling less nervous? Less nervous. Um, I try to like brush the nerves aside because just me like overthinking and getting more nervous before a game, like I end up doing even worse. Like if I think like, how am I going to play this ball if this bowler does this? Like I just end up like not playing it at all. Like it's bad. But the nerves start to go away the more and more you play because if you first saw interregionals and regionals, like it's all very new and then you get used to the format of like you're given these many games and um, you're going to be playing at this or this to show how good you are so it's just the more you play the nerves start to fall off a little bit is it nervousness just in terms of the pure competition or is it nervousness thinking about kind of other things and you're thinking further ahead beyond what the match is in front of you I, it's definitely both because um, there's competition that you have to be in order to get to that next level. And also like you have to do your basics right now so that in the future, when you're playing those higher levels that like you're more solid and that you're better. So no, it's definitely both of those factors. I mean, when I think back to when I was playing sports growing up, I played ice hockey the longest and, and tennis. Those are the two sports I played the longest. I played tennis all the way through high school. And ice hockey, I played up until I was 13, 14. 
and ice hockey part of it might have been the time of day we were playing because we usually had to get up and our practices were at 5 a.m that was the best time we could get at the ice rinks near us and even some of the game time is you'd play 7 a.m game 8 a.m game and sometimes you'd play a game at midnight again it was just a matter of when the ice time was because they would reserve the ice rinks would reserve the open skate the general skating times for the public those would be at noon two o'clock four o'clock six o'clock they wanted to maximize their ability to get people to come and pay mm. for free skating. So if you wanted to play uh, a peewee ice hockey game in a league at youth level, it was generally yeah early in the morning, late at night. And whether it was that or just the competitive nervousness that I had from the time I was six years old, when I, when I started, first started playing organized ice hockey for that entire eight, nine years, without fail, I would throw up before every single game because I, I, because I was again I was just so nervous it didn't have anything to do with like my parents would try different tricks with me like maybe you're eating too late dinner the night before oh. so you have to have your dinner by 6 p.m or 7 p.m because if you're waking up at 4 a.m for it maybe it's, you're waking up too early because you haven't digested dinner the night before and so they would try these things oh you know don't eat after 5 p.m or don't eat after 6 p.m whatever and it, it didn't work didn't matter I'd get up and it was just the the nervousness well, I had so much nervous energy that whether it was practice or a game itself could be a half hour before after I've gotten dressed warmups after warmups, I'd be feeling nauseous and it could be, you know, 10 minutes, five minutes before a game, I'd run over to the garbage can and just let, let hurl. And then I would feel fine. Even though uh, I, I, all my energy is gone from the food that I'm supposed to have to like store energy. I'm just like, Oh, I, I feel fine. I, I can skate freely now. I don't have this on my mind. And like, Oh, just got rid of that nervousness. And, yeah. and so, so that was always something that when I was young, it, it was, and it was a lot of it was just thinking about what was going to happen that day on the ice. Like, oh, you, you know, mm. I, I would be so filled with nervousness that it would make me physically. What sick. were you nervous about though? Um, I, if I think back to it, it was more just the fact that it could be some of the most basic things, which I had no reason to worry about stuff like, yeah. Am I going to fall? Am I oh, going to be able okay. to, to keep my balance and, and skate properly? Am I going to be able to score a goal? Am I, am <laughs> I, if, if I'm playing defense, am I going to stop a goal? Am I going to be able to check somebody if they're trying to get by me? Am I going to be able to, to break up a two-on-one that's developing? You know, all, all these kind of things. I would overthink so much and it would lead to all this extreme nervous energy. And then on top of it, yeah, I'd, I'd start feeling nauseous and all this other stuff. And I did it to a lesser extent in baseball and in tennis there were some times where yeah i would throw up before a tennis match not nearly as often as i did ice hockey but i would just have this a constant i wouldn't call it dread but there was definitely like a fear of i, I don't even call it fear of failure i would just call it fear of embarrassment or screw, yeah, screwing okay. up or, or doing something to to borderline humiliate myself and then and it, it just manifested itself and i have to throw up now and i don't feel so mm. good and then as soon as I got it out of my system, it's like, ah, oh, my mind is clear. Now I can go out and, and do it. And my, some of it might have been a product of I've thrown up so much. I have to get it out of my system now because I don't want to throw up once the game has begun. Mm, and that'll, you know, right. then they, they're going to have to clean it up off the ice. We're overthinking about that one. So, I mean, I, I, I understand to a certain extent the why nervous feelings come about regardless of, of angel and it still happens to this day i'm not throwing up to this day when i go play cricket but there is an element of having to kind of create mechanisms to trick my own mind to not think so much about 
cricket. Yeah. The, I perform best. If I'm in a club cricket match or league cricket match, I perform at my best. I, I almost have this. I took inspiration a bit from Mitali Raj, seeing her at the Women's World Cup a couple of years ago, where she's sitting there going out to bat and she's reading a book. And it looks like mm. she's not even like paying attention to the match. And yeah. like, I'm thinking, like, oh, like you're allowed to do that. Oh, <laughs> Indian women's captain is going to the World Cup final and she's reading a book. She's not even caring about what's going on in front of her. And it was, I started to understand it. It's a mechanism where you're just taking your mind off. You're not yeah. thinking so hard. So, yeah, did you ever experience any of those? Not, not the I'm going to throw up every single time I go to bed or keep wicked, but did you ever experience any of those feelings in terms of that element of the nervousness and how that would kind of lead into your preparation and how it would kind of interfere with your preparation for going out to play a game? Something about me is that I'm, I'm definitely an overthinker. I think I've tried to stop now, but um, I overthink a lot, and especially before games. And I realized now after like years that um, after, like if I overthink a lot before a game, then I just end up doing worse. So I just try to distract myself. But before I was really, really superstitious. Like if I slept on my left side before a game for even one second, just to like turn a little bit, it's going to be a bad game. Like from the start, before the game even started, I knew it was just going to be a bad game. I had a lot of things like that, but I think over the years and like the more I've played, I just realized that whatever I do off the field, that's, my sleeping on my left side that's not really going to affect how I play cricket so yeah I just distract myself I don't overthink as much anymore and that comes from like playing more games and getting used to it I guess but yeah when you got to nationals and, and also on the pathway so regionals inter regionals but and you're playing with and against players like not just Sindhu but Uzma Iftikhar Erica Rendler mm -hmm. and then you're on the opposite side of the field as Nadi Rooney Shabani Bhaskar uh, Moksha Chowdhury uh, Sarah Farouk, some of these other players who are established players mm -hmm. and you're batting against them and you're succeeding whether against the bowlers who are national team bowlers or comparatively you're scoring as many runs if not more runs than some of the established national team players who had been representing the USA in the past whether it was the early 2010s all the way up to 2017 2019 in Scotland at any point during the the regionals or nationals did it start to seep into your head or did it start to sink in like hey it doesn't matter if I'm only 14 or 15 like there's a good chance I might get picked and did you start to prepare yourself for that at any point during last summer or did you just not think about it until you got the email or the phone call to say Anika you've been selected for USA I think I thought about it at first but it's like I didn't want to get scared of the players before I even play the game like I just go out there I just play the ball I don't overthink about what the bowler or what this batter is going to do or anything like that but um, doing well against those established players, it's a confidence boost for a lot of the girls. And it really shows how like how much better cricket can continue to get, especially women's cricket. And just because like just because you there's already like a team doesn't mean that it can't get better. So it's just trying to do better and better every day to make a better team and a stronger unit at the end. What was it like? When you got the message telling you you were going to be playing for the USA women's team for the first time? I was walking back to my car from school. I just finished taking a chem test. These all happen at the worst times, I swear. But I just finished taking a chem test. I think I did. I think I didn't do that good on the chem test. So my mood was kind of like off. And then my mom was picking me up. And then I 
open the car and then she's just like smiling and she starts screaming and I was like why are you screaming and then she shows me her phone and then I see I take my phone off do not disturb and I see like my dad saying congrats and a bunch of like my, my family all freaking out but it was really gay that was for Mexico but for Zimbabwe um Pricey was nice enough to call call me and tell me that I got into the team which was really great I just kept on saying thank you thank you thank you and then she was like it's okay I get it <laughs> When you got the notification for Mexico, so that was prior to Zimbabwe, mm -hmm. what was the first thing that went through your mind? Honestly, in those nationals, I didn't do as well as I thought I could. So moments up to getting, like finding out if I was in the team or not, I was so stressed. Um, I was like, there's nothing I can do about it now. But I was just like, I was like praying. Like I was so nervous. Um, but then the news finally came out. And then I was like, this is another opportunity for me to do better than what I did before because I want to do better than what I did in national because personally I think I could do better than what I did in last year nationals but I saw it as another opportunity to prove how I'm actually like a good player and how I can like I, how I deserve it yeah. but just in terms of the raw emotion what was the would you say if you had to pick one word what was the overriding emotion you felt or experienced when you first found out you're going to represent USA surprise excited surprised I was surprised because I didn't perform to the best of my ability in nationals so I, I guess I was kind of surprised but yeah but you rewarded that faith down in Mexico you performed quite well and you you weren't just there you were in the starting 11 throughout yeah. the tournament and you were playing a key role in the middle order so to have that opportunity even though you say you felt you were surprised or you feel like you didn't perform with your own expectations clearly Julia Price and the selectors had a lot of faith in you to not just pick yeah. you, but to stick you in a middle order spot, which was crucial. When were you told what your role was going to be in that tournament to be able to get yourself mentally prepared to your role was going to be and how you were going to be expected to perform? Well, I knew that since she was, she was going to be the one mainly keeping. So I knew that I had to be mainly like a fielder and focus a lot on my batting as well in that tour so I think in Mexico and Zimbabwe both I was more of like a batting all-rounder the fact that not only you got to debut your parents Suresh and Manjula both there in Mexico what did it mean to you to be able to not just make your USA debut in general and to get a chance to play for the national team but to be able to make your debut in front of your parents that was that was just a really special moment. I really wish my brother was there as well, but he was trying to juggle school and like trying to get in a, a quick flight. But it was amazing for them being there because I started my career with them and I knew that this is what, like this is, I was getting to a level that they saw that I could get to. Like my whole cricket is like, I'm here because of my family today um, and playing like my, hitting my first boundaries or hitting my first runs in front of them and hearing them scream. I have to act like I didn't hear it, but hearing them scream, it was just, it was just an amazing feeling. I did my best for all the players on that. Yeah. Tour. I, I made a goal to try and get the first scoring shot or the first wicket or the first boundary for, for all the debutants yeah. on that tour. I remember your first scoring shot, you had this flick off your hips behind square leg. That was your first run. Yeah. What was it like for you to get that first run in international cricket? and just take me through that moment well at the time I wasn't really like oh my gosh yes I did it I mean like obviously I was happy that I got off the mark 
but it was just about like finishing the game um like I was proud but I just wanted to like keep going ball by ball just play my shots and just end up with the win now you say you had to block out your parents you you're focused yeah. but you can kind of hear the voices are you somebody who performs better in front of your parents or do you want them not to be around because there's two sets of players who are very different in terms of how they approach these things some people perform exceedingly well when the family's around and some people they just are a complete disaster and they are like please yeah. don't come uh, just stay home watch on tv i don't want to see you where <laughs> which which camp do you sit in in mexico i def i wasn't like i loved having them there um i think i did even better knowing they were there because they know how many hours i put in and how much effort they put in for me like i wanted them to see me score runs and I want them to know like this is because of them but when I first started cricket and I was really nervous I didn't want my family to be there because I was just so nervous I was like I don't want to screw up like I like I don't want to do bad so when I first started I was kind of nervous but now I'm okay with them being there what was it like interacting with some of the other teams in Mexico in particular I have to ask about Brazil because talking to some of the U.S. women's players initially some of the comments were and Tara Norris I think said this on the podcast when I had her on where she was like, oh man, these Brazil players, so annoying. They're so happy all the time. And like, <laughs> I can't stand this happiness. I want to beat them. And then it was <laughs> infectious where it was like, oh, these, these women, they're so cool. The attitude they have towards cricket and towards life and everything. Yeah. This is so awesome to see and just creates a, an incredibly positive atmosphere, win or lose. So what was that whole touring experience like for you being the first time opportunity to tour with USA in the context of the teams that you got to be around on or off the field Brazil they had their really loud chants and everything so I was like oh my gosh like this is like a legit team so I think I was a little pressured by that at the beginning but um the team like the USA team worked really well together and just like Brazil we're a really tight-knit team as well but on and off the field Brazil some of the players are really really fun to hang out with I don't think we had much like we didn't have that much of a chance to do it because of COVID and we had like our little bubbles I know like we had to but sometimes I wish that wasn't there because like it kind of takes away from tour experience but we still got to talk to them and hang out with them and just making new friends on this tour meeting new people and learning about new experiences like that's what also makes tour like so great apart from cricket Zimbabwe was a very different experience for a whole lot of reasons COVID played a very significant role in that tour take us through that especially in terms of how it ended in such an abrupt manner and and kind of the chaos that unfolded with the teams having to be flown out as quickly as they were and and the route that you had to take home because off memory you had to go through Oman and then back to the USA that way honestly it was so hectic when leaving um like I if you ask me like which flight I took like what was my pathway I cannot tell you like I was like trying to get as much sleep as I can. Like I was so tired, but it definitely ended abruptly. I wish we, we had one more game against Pakistan and that would have been a really good like opportunity to play against them. That didn't happen, unfortunately, but that would have been like, I, I just wish we played that one game and just finished the tour off normally, but it's okay. Things happen. <laughs> the other games you played though, you got an awful lot of opportunities to learn kind of again see where you're at mm-hmm. Zimbabwe was a heartbreaker you lose that yeah. game by one wicket and Thailand in terms of where you sit at associate level 
it's a very big kind of wake up call to see this is the gold standard of associate member teams. And this is how far USA still has to go. So what would you say was the number one thing you learned in that tour in terms of where your game is at and where you feel you still need to improve to, to close the gap on a personal level or as a team collectively? I learned not to be too overconfident because I was confident in my game. And then I met all these other players. So I played against these other tape, like other players and my confidence just went down. I wasn't too overconfident, but I wasn't like watchful as much as I should be. And that's just something that, cause there's always going to be better people. There's always going to be people that want to beat you. You want to beat them. Like there's always going to be competition out there. So it's just like to keep training, working hard because after seeing Zimbabwe, there's like that level of cricket is really high and we're going to get there someday, but we all have to just put in effort to get there. One of the things that stands out about your game, the opportunities I've had to watch you, whether it was the interregionals, regionals, nationals, or in Mexico or anywhere else is, and this is something that a lot of people struggle with on the men's and women's side. But one of the reasons I felt like you were a really good candidate to get picked for the Mexico tour and the Zimbabwe tour you play spin bowling really well and you're confident using your feet and just in general, your ability to play spin is something that I feel sets you apart from a lot of other players. From your perspective, what is the key to playing spin bowling well? Just watch the bowler, look at their hand. <laughs> uh, no, I really like using my feet and stepping out to bowlers. That's something I'm really confident in. I can always play on the back foot, but that's with Julia Price. We always talk about gear one, gear two shots, like, what you're comfortable with and like what you can your gear, gear to is like what you can use to excel and if if there's a lofted ball in the very first ball of the game like that's my gear one and I will step out like that's just my natural game but it's kind of just playing to the merit of the ball so keeping it simple is what I'm keeping hearing it simple keeping that's it simple. a good one yeah okay. what for you has been your favorite moment in your brief career so far, whether with the under-19 team or with the senior team? Cricket-related, like on the field or off the field? Could be any anything to do with representing USA. It could be an opening or a closing ceremony. It could be just getting on the flight and meeting your teammates at the airport and flying on a plane with all your teammates, or it could be off the field, a team dinner. It could be just taking the field for the first time. It could be hearing Gargi Bogle and all of her chants on the field. <laughs> Anything. What what to you is the thing that you have enjoyed most about representing USA, if there's any one moment or something collectively? I think those chants that got me thinking. I think us trying to come up with chants. I think that's one of my like favorite memories. Like us like as a team, like brainstorming things to have fun, things to do on off days. It's just spending as much time as I can with the team when the game's about to start and we're running onto the field to take our position, that's a really, really good feeling. Like everyone is so confident they're ready to take on any challenges that come. So there are a lot of favorites, but I think a lot of my favorites have like the common pattern of just being involved with the team. Who's most responsible for coming up with those chances? Did Gargi come up with them herself or did she get an assist along the way? I think we like in our group chat, we just like said whatever came to mind and then we just found one that we like. But um, it was, I think it was a collaborative effort, I think, if I can remember properly. So the, the whose house is this? Our house? That was, that was a whose question. house? Our house? I can't. I, I, I think it has, I think it's Gargi. Gargi comes up with a lot of them. 
I there's not one person I can name. I think it's just a lot of us. I have no idea. What does it mean to you to represent USA, whether it's cricket or any other sport? Being able to play cricket at such a high level in the US, that's just an amazing opportunity. Being able to have that sense of pride to think that you're doing something that's bigger than yourself, like doing something for other people, trying to um, have cricket more well-known in the U.S. It's something that you're doing for other people, not just you. And I think there's like a lot of pride that I have from doing this. What else do you want to achieve in your career, short-term goals or long-term goals? Just to, um, whatever spot on any team that I get, just to do my best, score as many as I can, just lead the team to victory, victory and make sure that I was a part in it. I don't want to set the team back. I just want to help them move forward. So long-term would just be to keep playing for the U.S. And yeah, just keep on doing my best. And there's like other tournaments in that too. So that'd be great to play in those, like fair break and all those. So that'd also be really cool. But yeah. What excites you most about the opportunity to play in the first ever Under-19 Women's World Cup in January in South Africa? That's absolutely insane. Like thinking about the World Cup and us playing in it, like that's actually insane. But we're just going to take it again, game by game. We don't want to get pressured by our competition. Just stay as a unit, make sure that our team is strong, our mor- our morals are strong. And just to go in and give it our all, like we're not going with any, we're just going to be open-minded, positive, um, and whatever happened happens, but we're just going to give it our all. In terms of big picture, now one of the things you started off with, you talked about, was the fact that there wasn't much support for, for women's cricket in the area or nationwide for that matter but your parents were extremely supportive and your brother was extremely supportive and that helped put you on the path where you are now i know you're only 15 but do you envision being able to have a professional career for usa as a women's player or do you have other things outside of cricket in mind that you want to pursue as a profession well with how fast uh, women's cricket is like progressing a couple years ago I would not believe that I'm playing like the world cup when like I was one of the only girls in the bay area who was playing so seeing how fast um those changes can happen um I'm just willing to accept whatever comes my way I don't want to set expectations because everything's changing so fast but just whatever happens happens at this point I really have no idea about career (laughs) that's really far ahead besides being known as the cricket girl in double high school <laughs> what else should people know about you that's like literally they like they know I play cricket like like some people don't even know me but like some people literally just ask me if I was a cricket girl like I have friends I swear like that's not my name but no a lot of people know me because of cricket and we have like some jokes too they're like um some of my close friends they're like oh what sport do you play again they're like oh you play softball soccer and we kind of like make jokes about it so yeah when you first came back to high school after you, the Mexico tour, what was the general reaction amongst your classmates and your teachers and anybody else to do with the school? My teachers and classmates, I think they did an announcement about it in school, but I mean, I wasn't there to, to hear it, but um, um, their reaction was really positive. Um, there, a lot of my friends were really happy that I was back. Um, I got like little hats for all my teachers because they were just, helping me so much um, with all my schoolwork and like cutting some, like cutting some homework out because they know that I'm busy. 
but no the reaction is really nice they're all really supportive my friends were um helping me with anything that I like missed any homework they were like helping me as well so it was a really good reaction it was very positive you talked before about seeing Geetika and Lisa in particular as role models going back a couple years ago where you started to envision getting a chance that you could one day represent USA too I know you're only 15 but do you now see yourself as a role model in the same way that you saw those girls as a role model I haven't really thought of it like that like I mean, that's kind of eye-opening now that you mentioned it. <laughs> but no, I know there's a lot of people who also want to get like a spot in the team. And I know that it, it's not what, it's not a small thing that a lot of us girls are in the team. Like I know it means something to us and to other people as well. I don't, I didn't think of myself as like a, like a, like a role model or whatever, but um, no, that's, that's kind of cool to think about though. Favorite 11 time, 11 questions, cricket and non-cricket. Are you ready, Anika Kalam? Yes. Here we go. Your favorite roommate on any cricket tour? Suhani. Why Um, I mean, Suhani and I have been roommates for two tours or like three tours now. But we spend a lot of time with each other and we're both messy, but we end up like we, we also like clean pretty fast. I don't have like a favorite favorite, but I spend a lot of time with Suhani. So um, I don't know. We work, we just, we're good together. <laughs> Your favorite thing to do to pass the time on a 14 hour long haul flight or any other kind of flight, transoceanic flight, whether you're going to Trinidad or going to Zimbabwe or anywhere else. Listening to music or watching TV on the flight. Your favorite song is a follow up to that. Favorite song. No idea. Constantly changing. Cannot answer that one. I actually can't. <laughs> it's difficult for me, Anika. <laughs> What's your, your favorite artist? Is that rotating too? Favorite artist? Also, don't have a favorite artist, but right now I'm listening to a lot of Drake. So, yeah. Your favorite cricket ground? I think I, I think I have a new favorite after this Trinidad tour. It's, I think it's the Brian Lara Cricket Complex. Um, and they also have um, nets, uh, indoor nets that we use as well. And I just love like the aura that it has, like the, the ambiance of the place. I just, I just really like it. It's really open. Your favorite cricketer of all time? Um, Alyssa Healy. She's a keeper as well. So her both batting and keeping, they're just like, I, I love watching it. Um, also Laura Wolfhart for batting. I mean, for everyone, yeah. Your favorite non-cricket athlete of all time? Should I just go with the classic and say Usain Bolt? Because I have no idea. And, wh- and why is he a classic? Explain this. Because he's very fast. Because he's very fast. That's very yeah. fast. That's keeping it simple again. <laughs> Your favorite place to eat out on tour? In Texas, it's definitely Aga's. Um, I know that's a popular. I know Sims really likes that a lot. I love getting doubles in Trinidad. I love doubles. So I would say doubles in Trinidad and August in Texas. You're going to make a lot of fans with the people in Trinidad. I th- <laughs> you might be making a hard sell down the road if, if you uh, get, can get drafted for the Trinbago Knight Riders women's team and the women's CPL down the road. You're making a very compelling argument for them to look down your, your cricket and pull profile. Your favorite beverage of any kind? Thai milk tea. I love Thai food. And that's just like, it's like a 
it's a famous like it's a well-known like boba order as well like tapioca drink so um that's just my favorite flavor so it's the Thai drink you said that bubble tea is that what you're talking about yeah you could yeah sure bubble tea you're a fan of the bubble tea yeah okay your favorite pizza topping olives your favorite movie <laughs> Your favorite movie of oh, why? Why are you laughing? Favorite movie. <laughs> That's not the reaction I thought you would have. Hey, pizza. Um, I mean, hey, cheese. Their own pizza. I, I'm a I'm a cheese pizza person. That's also an eligible answer. You can be part of the Kevin McAllister Club. Lisa Ramjet was part of the Kevin McAllister Club. Cheese pizza only for Lisa. Shabani Bosker as well. Cheese pizza. Kevin McAllister Club. But I can't really go wrong with that. It's a personal um, preference. Favorite movie. Oh yes, your your favorite your favorite movie of all time. Um, Ocean's Eight. I can rewatch that on any single flight. Like I know the whole entire plot. I'll still rewatch it. <laughs> Last but not least, your favorite show to binge watch, whether it's Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, any other streaming service or DVD box set. What's your go-to show? If it comes across the TV, you can't stop. You have to put down everything and you can't turn it off. You got to watch it through to the end of whatever episode Probably is Probably Grey's Anatomy. I just started watching it. I'm just like binging through it. I really love it. <laughs> there you have it anika kalan anika thank you so much for coming on the start thank you so much for having me i'll give you the final word anything else you want to say about you or your journey that you feel people should know about yourself not about myself but there's a lot of cricket coming up so it's just really great to see how much women's and girls cricket is thriving now so that's just really great to see and i'm really excited for it the upcoming months and years. So. Anybody who's been paying attention to the USA women's cricket team, they should be excited and they should be excited because you're yeah. a big part of that, Anika. So, so keep your eyes peeled <laughs> for Anika. Come on, Anika, thank you again. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Anika Kalan, who is now deep into preparation mode for that USA Women's Under-19 series against West Indies Women's Under-19 side, which starts on August 8th in Lauder Hill, Florida. And that's the first step in their main preparation going forward for the ICC Women's Under-19 World Cup in South Africa in January. And again, she's going to be a key figure in the senior women's side, as well as they take part in the T20 World Cup qualifier in the UAE in September. I want to remind everybody, if you haven't already done so, become a patron. Go to patreon.com, support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Everybody who contributes helps keep the podcast running on an episode-by-episode basis. And also, if you haven't done so, you can subscribe to the latest edition of the podcast on YouTube if you like the video format, or on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM if you like the audio version, so you can get the latest episodes downloaded straight to your phone. That's it for this episode. I'm Peter Delapena reminding everybody, God bless America, and God bless American cricket.